Hey, Lena. Hello. How are you? I'm doing okay. How about you? Good. Are you in San Francisco this evening? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm joining you off on the bay. Right. Like, right I, after the bay. I, I love it. I figured it'd be a good, you know. <laughs> Yes, I could use a little outing, you know, out in nature away from, uh, you know, L.A. and to in nature in some form or fashion. Please, yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, uh, looks like we have Aisha on. Hi there, Aisha. How are you? Hello. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I am tired. I didn't, exactly. Like that all mixed up. I thought it was seven of my time. <laughs> oh, no, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So it's what time is it? Your time. PM. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We got you late. Well, we thank you for for this hour that you're going to spend with us. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I guess we'll, we'll kick in now that everyone is here because we it's 701 and we want to make sure we use all of our time because the hour will go by really fast. So before we start, uh, I just want to make the introduction um, to all our listeners this evening. Uh, welcome. And we have an exciting conversation, I believe, that's going to take place uh, tonight uh, with, uh, first off, my co-host uh, that's been with me this month, Alina Williams, uh, who is a bicycle safety education manager at People for Mobility Justice as well as um, our guest this evening is Aisha McGowan, uh, who is a professional cyclist, African-American woman, professional cyclist for Live Racing, and is also an advocate for uh, the representation of people of color in the bike industry. Uh, I know that's a mouthful, and, and I have read all of your, uh, at least the most recent articles, Aisha, and I'm not sure if uh, Lena um, or Don or Bike Talk had an opportunity because I always share the links. And really, it is just, you know, it's, it's an honor to have you um, with us this evening. And I was just sharing with Nick, I don't think we could have ended our month um, better uh, because your story is inspiring um, on so many levels. And also the fact that you really, you know, you reach out on, in, in so many different circles and kind of that multi generational. Um, from home, from family, from community, all the way to the biking, biking professional industry and that whole competitive, you know, edge that's um, involved in that. So I want to be able for you to share your narrative and tap into that because really it's about how, where are we rolling into? So I think your message really taps into that. Where are we going, you know, with all these conversations, with professional cycling, cycling, with grassroots, um, with the grassroots work that we do to represent people of color. Um, and a lot of the topics that we have tapped into have been pretty heavy um, from the standpoint of mobility justice and just being able to move around in space on a bike. Um, and I, I tell you this week really has really kind of been knocked out for me because of our, our conversation last week where we uh, were talking on the Green Book and Lena was sharing um, her personal narratives of what she experiences as an African-American person that's out in space um, on her bike. So we're really looking forward to just diving in into this conversation. Um, but I also wanna just share that We The People, Black Lives Rolling really uh, started out in, in July as a pilot um, effort that Nick just said, hey, Yolanda, do you want to come on and, you know, interview folks and talk and just be a part of our show? 
And uh, here we are seven months later. Uh, we are a virtual conversation series uh, that um, is hosted, as I said, on Bike Talk. And our conversations really wanna bring attention to Black Lives Bicycling, but also uh, to tap into uh, the healing solutions around the, um, as it intersects from our social, political and economic challenges. And so that's really how we've been able to bring in um, the varied voices uh, over these past seven months. So without further ado, um, I would like to first off see Lena, is there anything before we kick off that you think we should, um, you'd like to share? Um, I, um, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit foggy right now. I am not feeling the, the greatest. Um, so I am struggling to, uh, to get my thoughts together at the moment. Um, so no, there isn't anything that I'd like to, uh, to share, uh, at the moment. Okay. How's your week been? Yeah. Has it been a tough week um, as well? It's, it's been a long week. Um, there's been a lot of things, uh, going on, a lot of moving pieces, uh, with work stuff, but also just a lot of moving pieces, uh, personally. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, but, um, yeah, I am feeling a little, a little sluggish, um, and yeah, so hopefully it's, you know, not the thing that I've been trying to avoid this entire time. Um, yes. But, um, but yeah. you know, uh, maybe, you know, something else because, you know, other things are possible too in this, yes. you know, in this world. So, um, but um, no, I am, um, I've just, you know, it's been a pleasure to be, you know, a voice, you know, on the show for Black History Month. Um, so I appreciate that. Uh, I appreciate, you know, you holding space you know, for folks to come and share their stories. So thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah. How's your week been, Aisha? Um, pretty good. The weather here where I live is much better than it has been. So I'm in a pretty good mood. It rained today, but it was 73 wow. and sunny yesterday. So I'm still floating on that vitamin D. <laughs> nice, nice. And where are you exactly? Where do you so, live right now? I live on the stolen land of the Muscogee and Creek, also known as Decatur, Georgia. Nice. Just outside of Atlanta. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, you are in uh, the powerful state right now that has done a lot of shifting. And I'm seeing a lot of Georgia. Everybody has Georgia on their mind. How is that? How's that feeling? You know, with Stacey Abrams, that's just made you know, the, the, along with all the other community organizations has just really turned Georgia around in phenomenal ways. Um, I think it shows the power of organization, which I think, you know, most grassroots organizers have always been aware of. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very interesting to see how they've been kind of shifting and maneuvering after the recent successes to see how they can avoid that in the future. Yes, yes. Um, and it seems as though a lot, there's been a lot of like retaliatory behavior mm. to the organizing and successes that have happened here in Georgia, but it's great to see. And I hope it inspires similar things in other red or previously red states, currently red states. Exactly, exactly. Well, again, we just thank you. Uh, thank you for spending time with us at 10 o'clock your time. Um, and for folks that really don't know who you are and the successes that you've accomplished um, over this time, can you just share who is Aisha, 
you know, how did you get into biking and kind of what's on your mind about biking today and, and being a professional cyclist? Um, yeah, I mean, I started as an adult, as a commuter. I mean, I learned how to ride a bike as a child, but uh, it wasn't ever a, a sport to me. It was just hanging out with my cousins and my friends and just riding around. Right, <laughs> um, right. But I, I picked it up again in college as a commuter, as a way to get to class and um, really kind of dive into the, the bike community. Um, I lived in Boston at the time as wow. well, living okay. in JP, Jamaica Plain. And um, my local bike shop had a, a program uh, at Bikes Not Bombs where um, they would teach adults how to teach kids how to build bikes. Nice. And so for me, bikes were always, or the idea of bikes was a way for me to save money and to be lazy. Um, and so <laughs> the beginning of my path was like, okay, how can I not spend money on transportation, paying for the train and then having to wait for it? And then how can I not spend money on other people fixing my bikes? Like, how can I learn how to do that myself? And so this program meant that they would teach us how to do that. And in return, we would volunteer and help teach the build a bike program. And what turned in what like what started as me trying to be frugal ended up in me like learning a lot more than just bike mechanic skills um and That's really nice. launched me into to advocacy mostly bicycle related advocacy um and were yeah. there african-american women or females i know that's something that you speak on um in that group that were kind of models for you or how, or, or was it more the activity at the time that was taking place and not necessarily that there was so, other women or girls, young girls, yeah. So. There were girls as a part of the youth program, but I do believe from my very vague memory that most of the adult participants were white or um, if they were black, they were black men. Mm -hmm. um, and so, it wasn't as stark of a contrast to me then as a part of a community organization as, and also being like being where I was in Jamaica Plain, which was not a super black neighborhood. Like okay. there was diversity, but it was mostly like uh, Latinx and um, and uh, it, it was currently, it was being gentrified while I lived there. And that was in like wow. 2007. And when okay. I left in 2010, I think shortly after Whole Foods moved in. So it was kind of a wrap after that. Um, wow. Oh, no, don't <laughs> say that. I have a Whole Foods right down the street that's going up, which we already kind of know. You know, we got a problem, a very big yeah, problem, because it's going to be a very big Whole Foods. Whole Foods it's, so. it's, it's usually a sign. I'm not going <laughs> to yes, lie to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, uh, okay, so then you, you, you learned how to build a bike. You became a mentor uh, to help other kids and adults mm -hmm. how to do the same thing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, then, so I, 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 it was towards the end of my college, like my college years. So mm -hmm. um, I graduated shortly after I volunteered for one round of that program. And then I moved to New York City. So I, I moved to Brooklyn and picked okay. up my advocacy there. 
um, as a part of We Bike NYC, which is a women's empowerment group. I did. Okay. I think I um, met you. I was going to ask you that, but I think you just nailed it because I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, were you at the League of American Bicyclists one year, like around 2014? Did yes. That was, the, that was the year that we rode. <laughs> our oh bike yes i did the, meet you the national bike summit yes yeah so i have pictures of you i have to go back and, and look for them but i'm like i i really think i met aisha because we were sitting on the floor i don't know if you remember we were like outside of one of the conference rooms and it was another one of your teammates that was very talkative um <laughs> i don't know if like she was italian or something like that um but both of you guys were just so energized and so inspiring and we just sat there and talked and I had another young guy with me his name was David and we were filming um and uh yeah so wow 360 yep. a long time ago <laughs> yes yes and you guys actually biked so you moved to New York and you joined this group and then you actually biked from New York uh to Washington is that correct Yep, in the middle of polar vortex. It's not exactly. the brightest thing I've ever done. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and how many days was that? Um, it was a four-day journey. Um, and I think, what's that, like a little under 400 miles? Whoa. Or under 300 miles? It might be, the number 262 is in my head for some reason, so that might be right, but I'm not. Okay. I can't. It's been so long. Um, yes. Yes. I just remember it was very cold. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's that's the standout memory. It wasn't even the distance. It was how it was the how temperature. How cold it was. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys prepare for that? Or, I mean, in terms of. I mean. Sounds like you almost froze to death. I mean, was there like something that actually you went through to kind of prepare you for a ride like that? I mean, we, we lived in New York City. So, I mean, we spent yes. a lot of time riding in the cold. But after. A certain amount of time it, it's it's not fun anymore <laughs> yeah 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 are we there yet Man, yeah did you guys stay at hotels i think we were pretty well prepared yeah yeah we, we fundraised um it was the the point of the trip was to raise awareness for you know women biking mm -hmm. and okay and, you know, show that we were out there and we were doing it and so we did fundraise and we did have adequate resources and we had good gear and I, we were prepared. It was just, it was very cold. That was all. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I am a very fair weather person. So yes, my, my ideal temperature is 65 degrees. <laughs> exactly. I'm surprised <laughs> we were you don't talking, live in LA then. Yeah. We were talking teens. So it was not my idea of the euphoria, but we, we did it and it was fine. Man, yeah. That was, Nina, have you ever rode in that type of weather or temperature before um so i tried i guess so um uh, when i was an organizer um they sent me to chicago um in the winter and well i essentially I, thought i said you guys I, I actually called back and said you guys hate me. like you obviously hate me because that's the only reason you would send me here during this <laughs> so i try to ride my bike we don't mess with chicago <laughs> I slide like I mean I'm sliding like what feels like miles I'm like I'm but I'm going block oh, man. so <laughs> right, right, at right, the right. end of like the the like the, at the end of where I like you know pile up so I just lay there for a while and like people are like are you okay 
I was like, yeah, I just took out my phone and I called the office and I was like, so I'm not coming in today. So like, I'm just, you know, I'm not prepared for this. Like I, you know, had all of the gear, but in terms of like outfitting my bike, like I wasn't ready. Um, So it's like that, you know, TikTok video, like you see the TikTok videos now and they have that song where it's like, everything's going great. Those no, 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 it was just like that. Everything was great. And then it was like, no, no, no. So yeah, um, I would definitely not try to do that uh, in the dead of winter. You have much respect uh, for me uh, for doing that. And, you know, amongst other things, but definitely getting out there, you know, riding, you know, in the winter during a polar vortex um, with the snow and everything flying. Exactly. And they were just still so energized after that. I mean, they were, I mean, everybody knew who they were, you know, at this uh, summit. Um, so I don't, I would have been knocked out in the bed. I mean, I don't care how old, you know, I was, whether I was 17 or 20 something, it would have been over. Um, I know I did the age ride, um, in my thirties and, um, that we didn't ride in that kind of weather, you know, but after each ride, it was over. It's just like, where's the tent? And let me just get in the tent and try to get some rest. Cause my body was in some cases in pain and then get up you know, to do it the next day. Um, so yeah, my hat's off and that accomplishment. And then I, I know here in LA, a lot of people, I mean, a lot of folks know, you know, who you are, what you're doing in the bike um, world here in LA from our, our road bikers to our, um, I guess, more, you know, community-based organizations, but there's definitely a distinction. Like the road bikers, they have their style and then the community kind of bikers have their style. And um, what, what's your feeling? Because I know in, in one of the articles, I think it was the Live article, how you'd like to see people come together in terms of no matter what kind of bike they roll on, you know, and the, the idea of unity that you talk about um, in terms of what you envision, how biking brings people together. Share your thoughts on that with us. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always seen myself as a commuter first, because that's mm-hmm. where my roots are. And then, you know, an advocate and then a competitive cyclist. But I feel like all of those things are a big part of me. I don't feel like any one of those things is more important or cooler or anything than the other. And I feel like we do all we do a lot of like self-division within an already small kind of group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wish there was a bit more universality to it where people identified as people who rode bikes and like didn't think cyclists meant spandex you know like Mm -hmm. you could ride in a kit but you can also ride in some jeans you can ride in some shorts you can ride in a dress you ride whatever you want to ride if you're riding a bike you're riding a bike um obviously there are you know there's apparel that's like better suited for certain kinds of riding for practicality purposes but I don't think that you know, the outfit you wear or the, the way you decide you want to ride or the speed you decide you want to go makes you any better than the next person or worse than the next person. Um, and so I just, I don't know, I just try and m- minimize the, that, that gap that, that people have, have built in this, mm-hmm. in this community and in this industry where it's like, oh, we'll accept you because you are you know you ride competitively or you race you ride road bikes and you can go fast and it's like that's cool but I also have like a really amazing time 
when I'm not going fast and when I'm just hanging with community or if I'm on a social ride, like, I think those are some of like the best memories that I have on a bike and they're all fun. You know, you can enjoy yourself in so many different ways. I wish that there wasn't this like elitism to certain aspects of riding bikes. I, I totally hear you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned the um, community aspect and I was just thinking about it. I met you in Atlanta uh, at an RG, uh, RBG, RBG um, community ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were out, uh, you came out one day, we were like in the West End at the park um, and Zara was speaking and she introduced you. Um, and then we did like a ride. I can't remember where we went, but we started from the West End. Um, I think maybe we went over towards like where uh, um, Mia's tattoo shop is, but I forget. That sounds right. Over by Peter Street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I couldn't think of the name of the street. Peter Street, exactly. That's exactly it. Um, But I think that it is important. Um, It's uh, what I've been doing here. Uh, I planned community rides with a uh, bike uh, co-op. Um, so that we could, you know, invite anyone to come, um, you know, where we planned rides for everyone. So no one felt like they had to be outfitted in a, you know, particular way, you know, mm-hmm. to join a ride or to, you know, to share that, you know, type of community with folks. Um, so um, super, super awesome, you know, um, definitely, you know, rooting for, you know, more people to, you know, see, you know, cycling um, as something that everyone can do as opposed to looking at it as, and I always say for me, you know, when I'm talking about, you know, biking, I say people on bikes as opposed to cyclists, um, just because it gives off when you say cyclists, it does give off that, you know, sort of perception that you're talking about the kitted folks and, you know, you got to be clipped in and you got to be going this, you know, many miles per hour, you know, uh, to ride with this group. Um, And, while that is, you know, all of that is fun, like you said, but it's not the reality for everyone. Um, and, you know, um, it's really cool to just, you know, get dressed up in some other stuff and, you know, go ride around the you know, city with your friends, you know, um, you know, riding fly and, you know, having fun as opposed to, you know, being focused on how we, you know, look and if we are killing it, you know, in terms of, you know, our reps right now and, you know, all of those things. So, you know, I think there's a time and place for everything, but, you know, I wish there'd be more space for, you know, community and, you know, no one left behind. And this is, you know, this is how we're rolling. Like everyone's welcome as opposed to, yeah, now, nah, you know, or if you ride with us, you know, you got to get in the back, you know, or, you know, you can't keep up with us. Right. It's like, I, um, I had a couple uh, group, you know, join one of the community rides and they were um, a group of kidded folks and um, they came and they were like, oh, they were like, you're pretty fast. And I was like, oh, I was like, well, you know, thank you. But I, I knew it was them like, you know, oh, you know, we're gonna, you know, push you to the back, you know, type thing. Like, you know, we need to be, you know, I was like, it's totally fine. Like, I get that you guys have, you know, sort of this, you know, sort of perception that you gotta, you know, keep up and all of this. It's all good. You know, I appreciate it. You know, it's fun. Let's have this fun together. But, you know, it doesn't have to be that, you know, you have to be, that you have to look a certain way or you have to fit a certain aesthetic, you know, to ride a bike. I think that's, you know, uh, the message that we should definitely get away from. Totally. And I, I think that that resonates with the next question um, that I have for Aisha in terms of 
what is it like being a professional cyclist, a black woman, um, as you speak about, um, there are very few, if any, in a lot of the circles uh, and races and gatherings that you, is that still the case? I know the article that I read was a couple years ago uh, with Liv. And um, how's that experience for you? It's definitely a lonely existence. Mm -hmm. I think there are, you know, a handful of, of black women who do uh, ride competitively mm -hmm. at the amateur level or at the elite level, but there are, as far as I know, are not any in America at the professional level. Um, and then globally, it's, you know, it's complicated because there are countries filled with black people because that's how the diaspora works. Right. But they're not necessarily the folks that are populating the competitive scene. Um, okay. And so there are places where there are just a, a general concentration of more black women on, on bikes who are racing, but they don't get to race the global population. They don't get to race at the very top level because their countries are small, their federations can't get them there. They don't have the resources or the support that is necessary to make that happen. So they, they just race, um, you know, within their country domestically or, you know, within their region. Wow. But as far as like the world tour or the European circuit, I think now, I know Tennille Campbell is the only one that I can think of who is a full-fledged roster member of a world tour team. And now mm -hmm. as of August, I will be a trainee on a world tour team. And I've seen that um, Celine, who is a cyclocross racer, she's actually a world champion in 2020. And these are African-American women or no? These are black women, but they're okay. not African-American women. So as far okay. as African-American women, I'm the only one. Wow. Um, but they're like, I'm, you can see me like digging the depths of my brain, trying to even <laughs> find find right. black women um, right. at this level of the sport, which my goal was to be the first, not to be the only. So yes, there yes. are, <laughs> wow, there are plans in place and things that are happening to make it so that there's a pathway for other people to do this if that's what they want to do. Because yes. um, the thing that I discovered in being on this journey is that there's not really a path that exists. Like you, you have to- You're paving it. You have to make it up as you go along. And I don't, yes. I don't, I don't want that for other people. I don't desire that for other people um, because I mean, I personally feel like I'm a very resourceful person. I'm a very like get after it type of person, mm -hmm. but I feel like there's so many women out there, black women, African-American women who are probably infinitely more talented than I am that mm -hmm. if a path was presented, they could go on it and then they would get there, you know? Wow, like, that's powerful. Just, just because- yeah you're talented doesn't mean that you also have that like resourcefulness to build, you know, build the bridge to get to the place. Maybe you just need to be at the place and then show out, you know, and ride your bike and race and do well. And so I hope to Absolutely. create those pathways so you don't have to figure that part out, you know? I love it. I love it. And it really, I, I think that's why this conversation this evening is, it's just right on time. It's like all of our conversations have been right on time, but this one is about where do we go from here? And also the fact that 
we have to connect the opportunity um, reality to it, meaning from the economic standpoint, from a career standpoint and hearing how you and reading, how you were a preschool teacher in music um, that was commuting um, and it was a part of your life. And, and I think your story also can resonate with all of our stories in terms of that the bike is a tool. You know, that's the way it was for me. That's how it happened. I rode as a kid, then um, I rode as an adult, and then I did the AIDS ride, and then the AIDS ride changed my life. And then I joined a bike groups here in LA and we're riding anywhere from 70 to 80 miles um, every weekend. And then I saw, when you talk about paving the road, and then I saw that I wanted to see more of us. I wanted to see more African-Americans on bikes because from my perspective, I saw how it was healing and how it was healing, like just from a perspective of health, you know, that how my health was and folks want to lose weight. Well, go out and ride in a community and you'll just start dropping, you know, and you're laughing and you're having fun, like both of you guys have shared. And now, you know, here I am doing it as an advocacy work. I'm using that experience of bicycling as a tool to, and which I really, you know, I like how you have presented it, Aisha, in terms of um, finding ways for it to work for us as opposed to against us. And when, and for us, humanity, pretty much. But we always still, as much as we want to do this unifying, and this humanity thing, the politics, the green books, the mobility justice issues are still there. The, the, the roads, as you talk about, the, uh, those roads that don't exist for probably qualified young people all over the place that, get, that if you are guiding them or, or, or the activities that you are setting up will now start acting as a navigation to help them to become professional cyclists. Um, and I, what did you have to do to prepare? Was it really hard to, you know, the writing in terms of your, I, I read about, you know, just you're getting yourself in shape to be a racer. I mean, I and the dedication, what, what, how did you do that? I think that could be a whole podcast by itself. I <laughs> know, I'm sure it could. I don't know, we have time for all of that. <laughs> a, but a snippet of, I yeah. <laughs> I think that part of it in itself is, you know, super challenging. I'm the kind of person where, you know, there are certain things that I want somebody to just tell me what to do, right? And then when it comes to bikes and, you know, especially like road cycling, everybody's an expert. Everybody knows what you need to do. Everybody knows what you need to wear. Everybody knows what kind of equipment, everybody knows what kind of equipment you need to have. And nobody actually knows what they're talking about. And so- <laughs> There was a lot of like sifting through that and figuring out who to actually listen to, who to not listen to. Wow. Okay. Um, and as a black woman, I feel like I've been, you know, I've had my share of, you know, folks that, how am I, how am I going to word this? Where they, their intentions may have been good where they wanted to help. They, they saw what I was trying to do, but it, was, it felt more like an exploitation type of thing where they yeah. wanted to be a part of the story and they wanted to be a part of the journey, right. but they were not the person that needed to be helping me get there. Um, and so I feel like in certain ways, it, it hindered me and it, it made mm -hmm. me not feel like I was in a safe place. But when it comes to that, like 
coaching mentorship dynamic, you're putting a lot of trust into those people. You're putting a lot of trust into that relationship. And by the time you realize what it is, right. <laughs> you're like in the middle of it. Um, and so, I mean, the simple answer to your question is I ride my bike a whole lot. Um, <laughs> and figuring out, you know, how I need to ride and, and, and how long and what intensity and intervals and what specific workouts. It's not something that I feel like I ever wanted to commit myself to figuring out. And so luckily now I have an, a fantastic coach that I work with that literally tells me what I need to do. And I trust him completely to, right. you know, help me get where I'm going. And I've been working with him for a little over two years now and it's been leaps and bounds. So, yeah, you yeah. know, I feel like even access to that, you know, coaching is expensive and I have, you know, I work with Carmichael training systems and they sponsor me by providing me with a coach yes. um, who's a part of their, their company. Um, but I could not afford this person. <laughs> I could not afford wow. this, this level of resource um, if it wasn't being provided to me, just as I, you know, when I was getting started, I could not afford, you know, the equipment that was necessary or the, you know, travel and all of the other aspects of it. It's, it's very, the, the economic part of it is a huge obstacle. Um, and th that's how I was saying before, like I, I, I am specifically very resourceful and very determined, but and I think I'm very talented, but I also know that there are people that are way more talented than me that if they were provided those resources and they were provided that path, if they would, they would demolish a lot of these people that are out here racing these bikes. Wow. Um, but they just don't have the access. They just can't get there. I hear you. I hear you. And that is, you know, that does kind of fall in the category of mobility justice, you know, just from the standpoint of, um, being a professional cyclist, it, it, you know, it's a category in, its, in, in itself. And I believe that, you know, back in the day when I was, um, had launched the Ride in Living Color, I mean, that really, first off, just to hear your story. I mean, that's the beginning, you know, wow. I didn't know black people or people in general can actually um, get good on a bike, you know, possibly go to a college and be on a, a bicycling team, a cycling team that this could actually be a career. Um, and so I think we need to have more of those conversations and include them kind of in more of our opportunity, you know, um, category. What do you think, Lena? I, um, I definitely think that there needs to be more conversation about the possibilities uh, of what it means to be a bike professional, as I mm -hmm. call it, because there are many different, you know, roles uh, that we can play as professionals in this, you know, biking world. Uh, some may want to go and, you know, race. Um, I am very curious, though, Aisha, would you recommend uh, that um, up-and-coming cyclists who may be considering the professional track that they uh, practice on uh, like going to a track or like a velodrome type uh, situation or just, you know, having access to, you know, riding, you know, on the road and like, you know, getting, you know, looking up some, you know, different, you know, information about what coaches recommend that you should be, you know, aiming for in terms of like targets. Um, or do you think that, you know, um, it's worth the, uh, investment. Um, I know that some of them, one here offers uh, discounts to younger people, but I don't know that they offer discounts to, you know, just adults or folks just interested. 
um, in taking or having a membership to use the track? Um, so that was a multiple part question. Uh, first <laughs> Indeed, part, I'm sorry. <laughs> the first part, I started on the track in Queens in Casino, at the Casino Velodrome in Queens, New York. And I think that set me up with a really good foundation because it was just an opportunity to, to you know, get into competition in, in a very structured environment. Um, and track bikes are simple and they're less expensive. They have less parts. They have, you know, it's, it's a really great entry point. Um, and so the economic factor is a little bit easier when it comes to, to, to riding on the velodrome. And most velodromes have program, programs and programming. Usually for youth, the, the Casino Velodrome has a, a women's track clinic, I think twice every year. And so that's where I got my entry point. Um, but I think the track is a fantastic place to start and or end. Like you don't have to ever ride a, a road bike if you don't want to. And I think that also speaks to the fact that there are multiple disciplines in competitive cycling. Like I focus on road because that's what I wanted to focus on, but there's cyclocross, there's mountain bikes, there's BMX um, and track. I think that's all the main ones. There might be one. I'm Mount, you said mountain bike, right? Yeah. I mean, and uh -huh. also technically there's also triathlon um, if yeah. you are into that sort of thing. Um, but not everybody has to be doing the same thing. And I think like with, when it comes to black folks, people kind of gravitate towards like, oh, we play basketball, we run track. Like we do these very specific things. And so when you decide, oh, I'm gonna play tennis, I'm gonna be like Serena Williams, like, yeah. or you're just playing tennis. Like I, th I think Serena is like one of my biggest heroes, but I think this idea that we're like, you know, putting ourselves in these boxes where we have to do these specific types of things because that's what we do um, mm -hmm. isn't necessary. Um, I think there are like structural and economic barriers that make that happen more often than not. But if you, like you might live, like my sister-in-law lives right behind a BMX track. So if wow. you have that, you know, if you have access to that and your kids are right there, that's awesome. And that might be more convenient and more accessible to you than trying to go to a velodrome or trying to, you know, start on a road bike. Like it's kind of your environment helps dictate that, that path for you sometimes. Yeah. But I think I, I mean, I don't think I wish more people would explore or have the opportunity to explore, you know, the different disciplines because they're all fun. Like I've just recently gotten into, um, riding on gravel and, you know, doing mountain biking because I have those resources now and I have access to that. And it's not something that I would have ever considered before, but it is a lot of fun. And I think if I wasn't, you know, the age I am and have already the, the, the my brain hardwired for safety the way it is, right. I would have probably really, <laughs> really enjoyed going real hard in the paint and those other disciplines. Um, hey, I'm like here I to did. tell you it's never too late, okay? Oh, it's not too late, <laughs> but the way that the rocks and the trees and the branches are oh, set yeah. up, well, like, yeah, I'm not, I mean, like, right. I'm going to, I'm going to stick, stick with them. We're, we're, we're going to, we're going to slowly increase our, our, uh, <laughs> right, our threshold right. for, for what we're willing to do in that That's department. That's true. That's true. Um, yeah, on a whole nother level, like, yeah, what what do you really want to want to do? Because I mean, I know I had people. I didn't really get into this kind of long distance riding or riding. You know, it wasn't until my thirties, 
you know, I was, I was 35 when I, I did the age ride. And it wasn't until my 40s that I started doing, you know, the types of rides, long distance rides and, and folks telling me I shouldn't be riding. Um, you know, you have kids, you need to be more concerned about your kids than out there riding on the streets because you might get hurt. So, you know, there's, there's always going to be the, that group that says it's not comfortable because of their fear on what you should be doing. Um, and then until, uh, until this day, you know, I'm, on, I'm 60 now. And so, you know, to be able to still get out there and just ride on the bike, which I don't think of myself as 60, but I am. And, uh, so, you know, it's, it's still like, this isn't going to stop me. So I think you are true. I think that's also just a part of really letting folks know in this kind of multi-generational conversation that we're having that you're not, don't stay in the box when it, when it comes to really anything that you're told you can't do. And, uh, but we're talking about biking right now and bicycling and advocating and being a change agent um, in your industry or in your community. Um, that's how we see change. You know, that's how we pave um, new ways of living and be able to have those types of opportunities. And I'm just looking at you. I mean, again, this article um, that was written on you and live, which I want to ask you how that experience is working, you know, and being in this kind of corporate um, sponsorship. Is that what it is in terms of, of being a live racer? So live cycling, the company is mm -hmm. a sponsor and then the live racing team is now it's a trade team. So now I'm I have a partnership with the company that makes the bikes, but I'm also a member of the racing team that is also sponsored by the company that makes the bikes, wow. if that makes sense. Yes. Do you get a lot of fringe benefits? I mean, like, are you living up in a house on a hill? Um, I mean, what's, what, what, is, what comes with this? A house on a hill. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, it's funny, like, I mean, I, I feel like I've, I'm, I'm very privileged. I grew up in a, like I wasn't in a wealthy house, but we always had what we needed. Um, and, you know, you see all these articles about, oh, I got out of $100,000 debt right. in, two, in two days. <laughs> it looks right. like. Right. And the, every single time it's like, I lived with my parents and I didn't have to pay right. for anything. Right. And you're like, well, of course, that's how you yes, did it. Exactly. Um, but yeah. I was living in, uh, I was living in, in California and it's, it, it's just not the place for me. The weather. I didn't know you lived here. Okay. I lived in I lived in the in the Bay Area. Oh, okay, um, okay. And the weather changes every five minutes. Yeah, it's crazy. That the riding yeah. is fantastic, but that that I just I'm an East Coast person through and through, and so yeah. I just had to to make my way back across. But exactly, um, I understand. Pretty much, my mom owned a house here, and this is the house I lived in when I was little, and okay. she was renting it out to other people, and so I, you know, asked her to rent it out to me. And okay. it was affordable. And so, um, so that's, that's why we lived here as a matter of convenience, but basically saying like, I was, I was trying to like follow, like, I, I, I like to follow the blueprints of other people. And so I kept seeing yes. that general theme of like, oh, I lived in a place where I could, you know, save a lot of money Dave, and build myself yeah. up. And so this is the place that I could do that. Like, that makes sense. It wasn't going to let me live here for free, but it was definitely cheaper than Bay area rent is definitely cheaper Correct. than New York rent. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've spent the past couple of years here and I've just been, you know, training and, and building up my, my advocacy projects and um, working with Liv has been great. Um, they, I, I'm, I'm a go-getter. So 
usually with anybody that I'm working with, I'm, I like to make sure that the partnership is mutual. I don't ever want anybody to feel like they're giving me things. Right. Just like, I, I don't ever want anybody to feel like, a, like I'm a charity because I'm not. Right. Um, I'm working. And if you're supporting that work, um, you're also getting something out of it. And so, you know, working with Liv has been, it's been really good. They, there's a long way for that company to go. There's a long way for most of the bike industry, all of the bike industry companies to go. But yes. They've been really good about listening and trying to like re-strategize and rethink how they do certain things. Um, and so I'm very thankful for that partnership. And it is also, you know, putting me in the position to get to this, you know, world tour trainee spot, which is literally a dream come true and always has been the goal. And so, you know, half of it is talent and half of it is the people, you know, right. So right. this was definitely one of those like opportunity met preparation type of things. And so I'm, I'm thankful to have been in this position to be able to do what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, no. So yeah. I hear you. Um, and I love your story about you riding your bike, which your grandmother didn't want you to do, but um, to ride your bike to her house, which was about 80, was it 80 to 100 miles it away from where you live? 88 there? miles from where I live right now. We we're 88 miles apart. <laughs> wow. And then but you I, got her on a tandem bike? Yeah, that might have been the time that uh, Lena was At 80? in town. Oh, that actually was. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds like this actually was. See how, the, see how it's bike. all coming together? Yes. Wow. That actually was. Mm -hmm. I forgot all about that. And you know what? After that, I said, like, I was uh, talking to my then partner and I was like, I really want to do a tour, like a tandem tour. Yes. Um, and she was like, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, like, I'm so serious. Because I've done a bike tour. Um, I did a tour from Atlanta um, to South Carolina. Um, so I was like, I totally want to do, you know, a was tandem tour. Was that the Black Freedom so, Outfitters tour with Zara? Yeah. And Sam. So you've met Sam. I did wow. not go on the one with Sam, but I have met Sam. Oh, did they do it more uh, than once? Uh, um, I supported um, afterwards. Um, Sam did a couple of them. Now, what, what was, where, who sponsored this ride or whatever that brought you guys together at that time? That you it were was there, a Lena? Red Bike and Green community oh, bike okay. anniversary. Nice, yeah. nice. Like the anniversary of the, the organization. Yes. And they brought me, I was still living in California and they brought me down to, to be there. It was really awesome. I felt Amazing. It made me want to move to Atlanta and now I'm here. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is amazing. And now I'm in LA. Yeah. I lived in Atlanta at the time and now I'm here. Isn't that something? How that, yeah, the, the connecting of the dots. And I think that's really kind of how this bike conversation and movement has, um, has happened. You know, it really kind of kicked in, at least from, from my perspective. I mean, I know Lena and I were talking about it, you know, 2011, kind of where were we? You know, I know in terms of folks that are all in the conversation or leaders today, um, we were at that League of American Bicyclists event, um, or we were at a Red Bike and Green event, or we were at in Oakland, you know, um, at uh, Richmond Bikes with, with Brian Drayton, um, who was connected and knew all the folks at that time. So 
you know, we're here, we are paving the way. And, and that's why it's so important that we figure out how we can connect our dots and more in our bridges and our pathways in more impactful ways that um, you guys are both speaking on. And um, I, I want to have an opportunity to kind of, we've talked about the dream that became a reality uh, for you, Aisha. And then, um, and then now you're a professional cyclist, the only African-American woman that is um, a live racer. And, and, and what you say here is so impactful that I race bikes, I am a bike racer. I've made sure I have all the things I need. I feel physically prepared. I'm with Liv now. I mean, let's just stop and let that resonate for a minute. I'm with Liv now. And I feel prepared, equipment-wise, and I've got the nutrition figured out. And that's when you talk about your, your coach, you know, that's been with you. I feel like I have all the pieces and it's up to me now to carry it across the finish line. And I just, that right there, you know, is, is both a manifesto, but it's also to tell those that are listening and, and kind of how we and how you carry on, you know, this is how you do it. This is how you roll. And I think we have to figure that out in all of what, you know, in terms of what is up to us. What is up to me? What is up to Lena? And you've already figured it out, Aisha. What is up to you? Um, I want you to talk about your amazing, I mean, I, I checked out your website. It's so resourceful, um, right on time, just in terms of the information you're sharing. You've also um, have a uh, Do Better um, Together program that you're putting out there. And then I just saw today, you have the, um, what is this called? It's the, the abundance summit. Yes. Yes. The abundance. Can you tell us about that? Um, and, and those efforts, please. Um, okay. Uh, do better together is a, a like, it's a virtual activity challenge. It used to be a virtual ride series that was bike specific, but, um, this year I opened it up to any sort of activity. So there are people who are, they've set goals to walk their dog or they, they row or climb or whatever, they get into um but basically it was more about you know when I set my goal people were super excited and then suddenly I was super important but I you know I, I hate that I hate that like I, ha I had to want to go professional for people to think that I as a black woman mattered and yeah. so I think anybody who's trying to do anything is important and I want mm -hmm. everybody to succeed in whatever is important to them if it's getting out of bed in the morning if it's you know, reading a book, if it's, right. you know, those are the things that I find more challenging for me trying to go pro with an overnight decision. Cause I'm a very impulsive person, but trying to figure out what to eat for dinner is the hardest thing in the world. So I think, you know, I wanted to create this space where there was an equalizer where all goals were important and where all disciplines of, of cycling. And now any activity is, is equally awesome. And also there's this cross pollination of like, sharing these resources and information and you know a lot of people have a, a very similar questions and putting these people together to be able to ask like oh I have a hard time with this how do you do that and and people are learning from each other and supporting each other and meeting each other and nice. I'm always trying to build community and then with um 
and then I get to give away really cool prizes. So I've given away bikes and group sets and oh, um, very cool, all kinds of stuff. It's it's pretty great. Um, so this is the fifth year, and I think it's been going really well. I've been enjoying that. Process. It's the fifth year. Wow. Yeah. Um, wow. and so next month I'm doing the inaugural uh, abundance summit and. Um, the idea behind that is when I first got started, you know, and I wanted to like help all of the people and do yes. all of the things and I didn't have anything for myself and I'm, you know, trying to piece together stuff for myself and my friend, you know, kind of pulled me aside and he's like, Hey, the method, the method is abundance. And when you have abundance, you can help all the people you want to help. Cause you have, you, you're taken care of, you have more than yes. enough and you can give that excess away and nobody's starving, everybody eats. Um, right, right. And so the thing behind the summit is it's for us and by us and about us. Everything has been created by black and brown people. It's about black and brown people. Um, I'm producing it and um, it's focused on black and brown joy. So Love whereas it. we have all of these conversations about the struggle and you know trying to convince people that we're important or that our lives yes. matter, it's like, there's yes. none of that here. That's the baseline. Like wow. we know- that we're important we know that we matter and now we're just talking about why we're here and celebrating the good time that we have in the outdoor space and educating each other and and just you know convening to have a great time like that same vibe that I had at the bike anniversary with you know RBG that was fantastic that felt amazing to me and I want I always want more of that and I want to bring that to as many spaces as I can yeah. so and I'm using this also as a launch pad for the abundance mini grant. And okay. what that is, is based after when I first got started, there was a, a man, a gentleman called uh, Randy Locklear, and he gave me money to, you know, get to those races and helped me secure a sponsorship for equipment and really supported me in that way. Yes. And so I want to pay that forward and provide an opportunity for five to seven black and brown women to race at the biggest race in, the, in America and gain experience and inspiration, upgrade points and create this pathway so they can um, try or further themselves in bike racing. So even if you're an absolute beginner, you can apply for this grant. Or if you've already gotten started, the, the only requirement is that you're not a professional. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. since right now I'm the only one, I feel like everybody. <laughs> Right, right, yeah, yes, free reign right now, yeah. Uh, do you know Damien, uh, Damien Turner here in LA? LA Bike he, Academy? Uh, was that? Or the, I think he does LA Bike Academy or the 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 bike shop in, yeah, uh, in Lamar Park. He's had a couple names. Um, yeah, he was with them, but before that, he really was doing a lot of training of young um, yeah. lives. Yeah, so I think and, that's LA Bike Academy. It used yeah. to be a, like, home loans or something they had a correct correct yes yeah it's la bike academy now i think and okay um, one of their um racers is going to be on a panel at the summit nice so there's a, uh, there's a bike racer summit uh panel as a part of the summit good well, good yeah david's a good friend of mine so yeah. i was going to pass your info but you've already yeah made that we, connection yeah um i think this is definitely something that we need to continue, um, you know, obviously stay in contact with you, make sure that we are, um, you know, moving this information through our circles. Definitely people for mobility justice. We need to figure out how we can. I'm actually right now acting as the interim chair 
um, at People for Mobility Justice as well, where Lena um, is doing a lot of amazing work um, there around bike education. Um, and in particular, you know, our focus is on black and brown lives. Um, so we've got to, you know, make this connection even stronger, more impactful. And yes, you mentioned um, Ade uh, at Ride On Bike Co-op. Um, do you know him? Yeah, I came, I mean, we've crossed paths a couple of times, but I yeah. was actually at the, um, the untokening. So I went to the one oh, in yeah. Atlanta and then I went yeah. to the one that was in LA. Oh, nice. Oh, you did. And, and yeah, and I hung out in oh. Park for the day and that was great and got to see oh, the bike shop. I didn't shop know you and... were there. Did you do the breathing exercise we had in the room before we kind of had our breakout sessions um, yeah. around the Mert? Yeah. Okay. I let that. That was mm -hmm. me up there that, that did that. So Adonia, Dr. Adonia Lugo is also a good friend of mine who is also one of the, the, um, the founders or developers uh, of the, the untokening. So yeah, um, yeah she's going to be really jazzed. She has a baby on the way. So I'm not oh, sure wow. if she's listening tonight. Congratulations. <laughs> <if she is. laughs> yes. And, um, but definitely I will be sharing this with her, but she's following, you know, all the stuff that we're doing. Um, and I know it looks like we've got about three minutes. So I know, again, I knew that we were going to run into not being able to cover everything, the amazing work and just your life and your story um, and just continuing to ask. Lena, I would say that we've got about three minutes. Are there any key things maybe you want to ask before we kind of wrap up with Aisha sharing her contact information and anything else for folks to, you know, to, to follow her? Um, are you still uh, selling your merch, the Quick Brown Fox uh, merch? I see you're wearing a hoodie or something. Um, so curious about that. Uh, and if you can tell people where to get, you know, your merch uh, so they can support in that way. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I have a shop on my website, which is a quickbrownfox.com. The hoodie is limited edition. We've been doing a, a limited edition hoodie every year. So once we make these hoodies, we don't make them again. So maybe next year there'll be another one and they're sure. always really cool. So maybe you'll catch, you know, maybe folks can catch that um, usually around November, December time. But um, you can find me at equipronfox.com. You can find information on Do Better Together and the, Abun the Abundance Summit there and the mini grant. Um, and you can find me on all in all the places on social media at I suppose, which is A-Y-E-S-U-P-P-O-S-E. Um, and as far as support, um, helping spread the word about the projects that I have, the summit, the Do Better Together, um, and also I have a Patreon, which is Patreon slash a quick brown fox. So, okay. Is that all. on your website, your Patreon? Everyth everything that is pertaining to me can be found at my website, yes. Okay, I will share all of this um, on We The People, Black Lives Rolling, all these links along with the articles um, that I've referred to today. So folks can find out more and follow uh, all the amazing, uh, the journey that Aisha is on um, at Live uh, as a racer and also just as an advocate standing up uh, and making sure that she gets you know, more women, women of color, black women, um, girls uh, in this. So she's not out there alone, riding on the road, rolling on the road uh, at high speeds. Uh, <laughs> but sure. also I'm sure you've got some other bikes. So you might, you know, some folks might be able to catch you 
um, when you're cruising <laughs> one day. Um, Lena, why don't we share a little PMJ contact info as we wrap up here? Yeah, so you can find us at People for Mobility Justice on Instagram and our uh, website. Uh, look forward to uh, some things that we're going to be releasing soon. We are working on um, getting our uh, schedule together. So we have some education classes coming up. You can find that through our uh, Instagram. And we have some self-guided tours that we're going to be releasing that should be really, really fun and dope connecting uh, some of the beautiful pieces of uh, LA and communities of LA um, in a really, really sweet tour. Awesome. Thanks. And I just want to you know, wrap our show up again by thanking Aisha McGowan for joining us, uh, who is a professional and in, in fact, only African-American professional cyclist for LIV. Uh, and basically I will leave all of her contact information and articles on We the People, Black Lives Rolling. Probably within four days, I'd give it, we'll have the live recorded uh, link that folks can listen to and pass that info on. Also, you can find information um, in terms of all the work that I'm doing uh, on, under my name, Yolanda Davis Overstreet, Facebook, and um, also Ride in Living Color, which I continue to post uh, updated info on just industry news and what folks are doing, Black folks are doing around mobility justice uh, work, as well as um, opportunities and healing solutions. And also, be on the lookout for a new effort that I'll be launching in the couple weeks called Ground Truths Network. Uh, it is going to be a community-based effort that really kind of brings everything that I've been doing um, together. So again, I thank Don and Nick for this opportunity on Bike Talk to uh, make it possible for us to have these conversations on their platform. And I thank Lena for being a co-host this month in February, and you never know, we might get her back uh, to do some more, but uh, it's been a wonderful week. Every Friday, we've been um, we've had some amazing people uh, that we've talked on historian on the Green Book um, and uh, Dr. Christopher West, uh, and then Aaron McAfee on global uh, the global bikes um, in Tanzania. And again, that would you know I can just see the dots connecting in terms of the work that Aisha is doing um, with global bikes with people for mobility justice and the work Lena's doing and just tying it all under um, and just us having our ground truths and paving the way. So thank you guys again. And today's my daughter's birthday. She's 19. So saying happy birthday, Nia. And birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah, after I get off, then it's, you know, party time for her, uh, whatever that looks like in COVID. But um yeah, thank you again. And I just definitely let's stay in contact and I will definitely be following you, Aisha, and everything that you're doing. And good luck. Thanks so much for having me. For sure. And I'm going to look for those pictures. For and uh, if I find them, I'm going to send them to you <laughs> in <Okay>. Washington. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 